0: the Athletic.
1: Totally Football League show in both reflective and progressive moods as we look back on the midweek that was and ahead to the weekend that awakes. Hugh gone at beleaguered forest. Just how wrong were we about Huddersfield? All that and more on this Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Here we go then with our Thursday dose of TFLS. I'm Matt Davis-Adams. Joby McEnough is back with us. Hi, Joby. How you doing? Good, thank you. We'll see how Joby copes without his usual broadcasting wingman, Sam Parkin. Uh, instead, it's our wingman, once a wingman for a plethora of VFL clubs. Adrian Clark, hi, Clarky. Yeah,
2: hello, MDA. Good to see you, mate.
1: Yeah, we've got to start with the uh, the big story from the midweek of action. I'm afraid it Forest Forrest-related. Inevitably, Chris Hutton. Got his marching orders on Thursday morning, this after the Reds were beaten 2-0 by Middlesbrough on Wednesday night. Uh, Joby, I don't think we're particularly surprised by this news.
3: No, unfortunately not. Um, It's been on the cards really for a number of weeks now. I think we all expected Nottingham Forest to certainly have a a better showing than they did last season. I think with the pre-season behind him, we've seen Chris Hewitton's track record in the championship, I think in four seasons prior to this, four four seasons, he's either been promoted or got teams into those playoff places. So there was higher expectation around what he could do. I've got to be honest, I have sympathy with him in terms of the squad that he's had to work with. I think the transfers have come late. He hasn't been able to utilise any of those signings. So again, looking at it from a management point of view, I do think there has been issues there and and at times probably feels like he's had his hands tied behind his back. I don't think it's a particularly strong Forest squad, but should they be doing better than where they are at the moment? Absolutely. And unfortunately, as he will know better than anybody else with his vast experience, unfortunately the butt stops with him. So uh, I'm disappointed with him. I've I've always enjoyed coming against his teams. He's he's an absolute gentleman and, and he's done very, very well in the past. So it's always sad to see Good people lose jobs, uh, but unfortunately, that's just the business we're in, and I don't think they could have really come to, to any other decision given the start they've had. It's
1: a big piece on The Athletic now by Daniel Taylor explaining what an absolute uh, S-word show the club is behind the scenes at, at the moment. Uh, I was there at the Theatre of Screams last night, Clark. You, you were there on Sunday night for the for the game against Cardiff. Even with that huge and important caveat that things behind the scenes are calamitous, uh, a clown show, you can't overlook the fact that Chris Hute hasn't won a league game since April. Forrest have picked up one point so far. They don't ever look like they're going to score a goal, and yeah, I mean it had to happen, didn't it? Basically, it did. Yeah, I I felt that that if
2: they didn't win either of the games uh, across the space of four days, so that that he would go. Um, ended up losing both, so I think that was that was inevitable. Yeah, look, it's a it's a horrendous working environment. I think that much is is clear to see. But but based on what we see with our own eyes. It hasn't worked. His win ratio is is horribly low. The football is unimaginative, boring. There's no real tempo. Every time I've seen Forest, I've seen them quite a few times actually in the flesh under Chris Hutton. No real tempo, no discernible style. They just never look like they're going to score. The stats stats are really damning. Once in 25 games they've scored more than one goal. I mean, you're a Forest fan, Matt. How miserable is that? I mean, one, once in 25 t- games that you see them score more than one goal. That's, that's really, really tough. And, and, and yeah, I had a look at, in open play, the stats, expected goals across seven games. Forrest's expected goals so far this season, 2.9. I mean, they actually got four. Um, so so you can't say it's been a hard luck story as far as they're concerned so no, they they had to make a change it just wasn't working but look, I'm with Joby love Chris Hewton, he's a great guy he's been a fantastic manager it could work for him again somewhere else but just, yeah it it wasn't a marriage made in heaven there Do
1: you think it will work for him somewhere else, Joby? Do you you think that might be it for Chris Hewton? He's what, 62 years old now? I know he won't want to go out like this but, but you wonder where his next offer will come from
3: no, I still think that what he's done, his record, it, it speaks for itself. I think he certainly is in the the bracket of the the older school type of managers. Um, you know, and I think when they do lose jobs, maybe there is that question of, of where's next. We've seen a lot of clubs want progressive, young, forward thinking coaches. I think style of football is now becoming, I say, almost more important than results. But we've seen managers that with a good style that potentially not necessarily getting fantastic results, seem to get a little bit more time. Um, And I think that's probably the trade-off with a Chris Hutton, a Mick McCarthy, a Neil Warnock, is you're getting those guys in to win, to achieve something. And if you're not, then certainly I think with the way that we are going and the trends in football now, you do have a shorter shelf life and potentially less options when the next job comes around. But I certainly feel if you can get Chris Hewton into a good environment, as he has shown, um, you know, I'm sure everyone goes into jobs thinking that you can make the difference, but this isn't just a Chris and problem with Nottingham Forest. You've seen other managers in there, you know, not be successful, probably a little bit more than he has been granted. But, you know, there is things going on behind the scenes that do make it difficult to, to make winning football, whatever style that you want to do it in. And, and unfortunately for him, he hasn't been able to do that. So I still feel there is certainly teams out there that, he could go to and and be very, very good at. Um, And again, I, for one, um, I'm I'm sad to see him go today,
1: Clarky. the bozos who currently run the club are are pretty swift at at getting their replacements in usually. So maybe by the time you listen to this listener, you'll know already. Steve Cooper getting a lot of early mentions, uh, lots of other names in the frame. John Terry distancing himself in a way that wasn't really distancing himself uh, from the post. Who do you think would be a good fit and why would anybody take this job?
2: Yeah, well, first of all, great use of bozo. Thank you. Tremendous, um, <laughs> tremendous choice of word there. Um, um, you look at the signings, uh, a lot, quite a lot of younger players. I think they've gone for a younger profile. So, in that sense, Steve Cooper would make sense because we know that he likes working with younger players that he can coach and and develop. The one caveat there is that Swansea fans didn't like the style of football, even though he punched you know, above expectations there. So that's one sort of cloud over him. But I think he'd be a good pick. Chris Wilder's an obvious one. I think the squad needs a, I don't know, it needs some more oomph. It needs someone to rattle cages, maybe. Someone to, to instill a bit more drive and energy into the team. Chris Wilder might might fit the bill there. Um, John Terry should, should, I mean, I wouldn't go for John Terry full stop if I were Forrest, because I think there's too much to do. Uh, too much to risk on a young gaffer but if I'm JT don't touch this one with a barge pole Um, that would be my thought Um, what about Roy Keane wants to get back into management (laughs) I mean give it keynote to the end of the season he'll put a rocket up a few uh, backsides won't he so uh, yeah there's there's options some good choices I reckon
3: I I think for me when I look at Nottingham Forest and, and Matt you'll know better than any of us I think there's been a lack of a lack of energy a lack of athleticism um, and i think that's probably something i would be looking at if i was the forest hierarchy who could who could come in and potentially with this group because we do have to say that it's still going to be the same group you know obviously added with a few of those sign ins but maybe in terms of a track record of, of getting that out maybe that's their training methods that's their philosophy their approach to to games and winning football matches again it's a, such a good place Certainly for me as an opposing player, I used to love, love going up there. It's a fantastic stadium, the history, like you feel it all, you know, the the fans come out in their numbers and I just feel it's been a club devoid of that um, for a little while and even under Lamucci, the the football wasn't very inspiring, you know, it's very uh, pragmatic and he got the job done, fair enough. But, you know, I just want to see that that stadium full of energy and um, I think that should be a big factor in, in who they go with next.
1: Yeah, we'll find out. Uh, Before I start crying, let's have a look at some of the other (laughs) midweek games. Uh, Bournemouth 2QPR1, first defeat in the season for the R's. Jaden Anthony got a goal, then made another for Inform. Dom Solanke. It meant that Sam McCullum's second-half reply wasn't enough for Rangers. Uh, Joby, what a turnaround it's been for for Bournemouth. After that 6-0 thrashing at Norwich in the Cup, admittedly a much-changed team, but but even so unbeaten in 3-1-2 and only conceded once since then.
3: Yeah, it's funny, I um, covered that game and I've got to say I was really impressed with Bournemouth given QPR's start as well. Um, I thought it would be a, quite an interesting test. I think Scott Parker, again, um, has had to deal with a lot of things, certainly going into a new job that aren't easy, a lot of senior pros unavailable for, for various reasons, whether it be injuries, suspensions, um, and he's had to, to blood a lot of young boys there. You know, Gavin Kilkenny started the season defensive midfield and, and, and did well. And then the two boys, you know, you touched on um, Jaden Anthony, Jordan Zamora as well. It's been absolutely fantastic down that left-hand side. And, you know, again, young players playing without any fear, really, just going out there and, and just taking the game by the scruff of the neck, as they did against but as they have done throughout large parts of this season. So I think Scott Park has to get a lot of credit for... The start they've made, they've made some really, really good signings. Ryan Christie obviously started that game. I think it's going to be uh, you know, a real talent, a real threat. Jamal Lowe, we know what he can do. Um, Dom Solanke's up and running and scoring goals for fun. Um, So I think they've got the makings there. I think we might have thought West Brom, Fulham would be the two runaways early on in the season. But I think Fulham now, uh, Bournemouth now, sorry, have really come into that. And with Scott Parker's experience and getting teams promoted, I think, they're very, very much in the mix. I was very impressed with them.
1: As for QPR, Clark, he obviously disappointed to lose their unbeaten record, but it could have been different here. You know, Dickie doesn't make the the mistake for the first goal if Andre Gray puts that one away for for the equaliser. So there's not too much for, for Mark Warburton to be concerned about from this game.
2: Definitely not. No, these were two good teams going head-to-head. I, I, I too was hugely impressed with with Bournemouth. Uh, I think they're going to be there or thereabouts. But, but QPR... Mixed it with them, didn't they? But They started off like a train QPR. Then they got pushed back and then they came back again. I thought, I mean, they had 15 shots, which is pretty good, I think, against one of the fancy teams. They had almost 60% of possession and, and their forward players always always looked a little, little bit of a, a threat. Maybe not Lyndon Dykes, wasn't his best game, but but elsewhere the likes of Willock and, and Chair were, were good. So no, not, not a problem for QPR. They'll, they'll have... You know, lots more battles that they will win. And I think based on what I saw in this game, I watched, watched Joe be in action as well as the teams. Uh, based on what I saw, I think Bournemouth have got a great shot at top two and QPR playoffs. I, I do fancy them for it.
1: Uh, also on Tuesday, Blackpool were brought back down to earth by Huddersfield. Blackpool had registered their first win of the season against Fulham at the weekend, but they were beaten 3-0 on their own patch by a Huddersfield side who scored three times in 14 second half minutes. Uh, Clarkie, I think you were you were one of our panel who were tipping Huddersfield for potential relegation. Still a long way to go, but he seems to have really turned it round. Carlos Corbron. Some great goals in this game.
2: Oh, brilliant goals, weren't they? I mean, the Josh Caroma one was was fantastic. A, a worldie, really. Jonathan Hogg, that was a great goal and, and, and a powerful header from Pearson from, from the set piece. Um <laughs> I think that they they sort of came alive for an unbelievable fourteen minutes here, at Huddersfield. So, so it's pr- probably a harsh reflection on on Blackpool uh, this this particular result. But but no, let's credit Corbran. I think a lot of us were writing him off. I didn't see en- enough real real change over that first year in charge to to see a, a promotion tilt. That's for sure. And I still think they'll they'll maybe slide back towards mid table, but. But yeah, got some good young players. That's the theme, isn't it? Good young players coming into the into teams and shining. We talked about the two Bournemouth guys. They've got Sorba Thomas and, and, and Daniel Sinani down the right. Uh, we saw the axis at Bournemouth with those two down the left. These two operate down the right, have re-energised Huddersfield in that particular part of the field. They're great at set pieces, really good at set pieces. I think they've scored six already. Um, deliveries have been great. And, and, and Pearson's obviously, obviously scored three already um, so so that's a real asset. They look better I think than last season in terms of their personnel. they've got two really good players that I like Lewis, Lewis O'Brien and Josh Caroma. I think those are two like two lads that that can that will be on the radar of, of other teams moving forward so um, yeah great win for them but but I'm not sold on the fact that they're suddenly promotion contenders. I've got to be honest, I think when I look at
3: Huddersfield, I look at them last year, they conceded 71 goals. I think that was their big Achilles heel. You've got, again, we go back to forward-thinking managers, young coaches, they want to play this attacking, open-brand of football. But without a defensive base and a unit to work from, there's no point going out gung ho because you are going to get exposed, particularly against good teams in the championship. So, I think that business you know, you touched on, on Matty Pearson there, Adrian. He's brought in Tom Lees, Levi Cowell, again, another young one that's come in. They've been regulars in that back three or four, depending on what he goes with. And apart from that Fulham game, they conceded five, they only conceded four in their other six games. So, I think that's a massive improvement for them and it gives the likes of those real good attacking players. Josh Caroma, I've got to give a bit of love to. A uh, former teammate of mine it has been fantastic to see his leap. You know, he's gone from the National League to the Championship. Took a little bit of while to, to get used to the level, but he was in really good form last year until he got injured, which, again, I'm sure he won't mind me saying, coincided with a bit of a, a slide in form for Huddersfield, along with obviously conceding all those goals. But, you know, he looks like a real, real, at least championship player now the quality of his goals the things he was doing in the national league before there was no question he could do it that's at that level but now he's doing it consistently and you know i just look at them they're a good all-round team now you know they've they've, they look like they've found their identity and again he's been given a bit of time i think it would have been very easy to maybe turn around and go "Mm, this hasn't quite worked we go back to maybe an older manager uh, a bit safer pair of hands but you know he's had that time again another pre-season to work and you know they've had a really really good start to the season
1: certainly have right that was the midweek that was we'll look ahead to the weekend's action next starting in the championship ah the summer was fun wasn't it no allegiances everyone getting behind england three lions being sung everywhere but, now the Premier League is back, get Grealish off the bench, ah, he can stay on it at City. Pickford might have been a safe
3: pair of hands, now he's just a pair. And enough of Jules Rimet dreaming, now it's our turn to
1: dream. So kiss goodbye to that vomit-inducing unity, and welcome back proper football. Let's celebrate flair on the grass, not a flare up the... <coughs> Paddy power! 18plus, You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Couple of games from Tier Two. We thought we'd focus on. We'll start at Oakwell, Lancashire versus Yorkshire. Matchups all the rage this week, and in that spirit, we bring you Barnsley versus Blackburn. Joby, Barnsley-wise, it was all a bit after the Lord Mayor Show from last season. But then they go and get a decent point against Stoke on Wednesday night. Maybe that will be the catalyst. It's not been great under Marcus Shop so far. Well, you say a decent point. I'd say,
3: was the keeper
2: Brad Collins yeah, yeah
3: um, yeah, Brad Collins, had a, certainly a night to remember, and I think without him, uh, you would have been looking at a defeat there. but you know you have to take into account you know you losing Valerie and Ishmael, getting a new manager in Daryl DK. they've certainly missed his presence, his goals. There is a slight change in the way that they want to play. They're not as direct um and they're very, very young, the youngest squad in the championship. And this is a lead that you do need a bit of experience at times to get you through, you know, some of those those tough games. But they have drawn four. So I think they would be thinking, you know, maybe a little bit of luck in not the Stoke game, but some of the other ones. They could have been on the, uh, the better end of some other results. But I think this will be a difficult year for them. I've got to be honest. I think with the model that they have, and the almost succession plan and they have a manager in place, yes, then they go and recruit more younger players. And um, I think it's going to be difficult, certainly, to get anywhere near the levels they did last year. Um, but again, it just takes a bit of time and, and they're making a good fist of it. I don't think they're going to be in any trouble, certainly from a relegation point of view, but I think they have to settle for maybe a bit more of a I'd say mid-table to, to lower-end season this year.
1: Uh, Blackburn wise, beat Hull in midweek. Absolutely love to see Ben Brereton tweeting in two languages. Uh, he says, great team effort, applause emoji. A good three points and great to get a goal, blue heart emoji. And then space, gran esfuerzo del equipo, applause emoji. Tres buenos puntos fui, mi contento con mi goal, blue emoji. Um, yeah, what well done, Ben. Other than that, Clarky which is definitely the Blackburn story of the season... They've been going under our radar a little bit. Obviously disappointed to be pegged back by Luton, but but only one league loss so far. Tony Mowbray, a bit of a divisive figure with some Rovers supporters, but they're doing okay without Adam Armstrong. I think they're doing really well, considering they lost the, their star man and
2: didn't really replace him. They didn't spend that money on Stryker, did they? So he's up against it, Mowbray, but but they're still scoring goals. Like you say, their only defeat. It's actually against West Brom, so there's no shame in that. Unbeaten away from home. And I think it's a the theme of the podcast. You talk about Barnsley being the youngest squad, and that's that is true. But but Blackburn's squad is really young as well. I think Mowbray um, said the other day, 14 of the 18 matchday squad were 23 or under for that game against Hull. So so lots of promising players coming through there as well. A um, couple changed the game, actually, in midweek. Uh, Kadra, who's on loan from Brighton, he's a, he's a little winger. And Butterworth, um, who's come through the ranks. Uh, young striker, had a, had a good impact when he came on. So, so yeah, look, managers are giving younger players a chance, aren't they? And for me, yeah, Blackburn will continue to score goals. It's just at the other end of the pitch. Are they going to get enough clean sheets? Um, yeah, on paper, that you know, it's not the worst back four in the world. But but they do they do leak goals. I think the one against Hull was their first clean sheet in, in a while, 16 games. So so that's the issue. But I think they'll go to Barnsley and, and try to win and, and fancy themselves to win as well.
1: Uh, meanwhile, Stoke City will be making the short trip down the A50 to Pride Park to take on Derby. Uh, Joby, even Derby fans, if any, would admit that they were lucky to leave with a point against West Brom on Tuesday. But... Given what's gone on there, seven points so far, that's all right, isn't it? Yeah, I
3: think if we're talking about the football, it's been more than all right. I think better than probably a lot of people expected. Again, you have to give Wayne Rooney and, and Liam Rosina, who's working with him up there, a lot of credit for just getting anything out of this this squad. Um, it's so limited in terms of its numbers. They relied on a lot of Older players, um, or I say more experienced. Uh, I didn't like the term "old old player" when I was still playing. Old um, yeah, basically. <laughs> um, and obviously, losing Colleen Kazim Richards as well was a was a big blow. Um, I think it's the off field issues that I would be incredibly worried about. Certainly, as a, a derby fan, you know, there's obviously these rumours going around about a possible point deduction looming, um, and I think for them. That would make it incredibly difficult to, to survive and I thought before the season on a level playing field just survival and they've done a good job there with everything they've got to to deal with so I think there's still a little bit more to come in this but from a football point of view massive credit to not just the and staff but the players for you know dealing with everything they've had to and, and putting some good results together.
1: Uh, nice contrast, Clarkey, between these two in midweek. Derby hanging on for a point at West Brom and grateful to get it. And Stoke should have got all three against Barnsley, as we mentioned. They'll be they'll be annoyed that they didn't, but they will be cheered by the return of Tyrese Campbell for the under-23s in midweek. Uh, he's been out for nine months. Michael O'Neill says he's still a month away from, from joining in with the first team. But generally, more to be positive than negative about Stoke-wise so far.
2: Yeah, the the like a new signing klaxon is about to sound, <laughs> isn't it? With Tyrese Campbell, <laughs> I mean, he will feel like one, and he's he's the real deal. I, I rate him so highly. I think he, he could actually be the the difference maker. I, I really like the the front two of, of Surridge and Brown. They're so industrious and hardworking, and and they get themselves into great areas, but. I don't know. I don't know. Neither neither's proven proven in terms of being able to score hatfuls over, over the course of a season. So um Torres Campbell, I think, is capable of of, of maybe outscoring those guys. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens when, when he comes back. Yeah, really impressed with them. Really impressed. All departments, really. I love the back three. I think the recruitment has been great with uh, Ostergaard and Wilmot either side of Harry Souter, who was brilliant in this game. Um, absolute class player. Uh, looks destined for, for bigger things in midfield. Loads of quality, loads of experience. Vrancic has made a difference. Sawyer's looks after the ball well. Uh, and then, but the, what really impressed me was was down the sides against against Barnsley. I mean, no one was marking them, but Smith and Tymon were, were were flying, weren't they? Smith will be suspended for this game, so that's a shame for Stoke. But yeah, in those wide areas, they can they can really hurt you. So. Yeah, lots to like about about Stoke at the moment. Make them favourites for this game, even though Derby have, have overperformed. There's no doubt about that. I think player for player, there's a lot more about Stoke than than Derby, and I, and I think that providing they bring their shooting boots, they could nick this.
1: Right, let's get some odds from Paddy Power. One last dance for producer Ben in the Abbey role. Ben, tell us about the uh, the next manager of Nottingham Forest according to the bookies.
0: Well, Matt, this is uh, much more fun for me to say than for you to hear. So next manager odds at Forrest, Steve Cooper is four to five. He's the favourite. Chris Wilder, he's three to one. John Terry, who, of course, had those six games on loan 21 years ago. So knows the club inside out. He is 10 to one. Frank Lampard's 20 to one. And if you fancy a bit of an outsider, Tony Pulis, 25 to one. Hmm. Now then, uh, if you think that Forrest will beat Huddersfield this weekend under interim head coach Stephen Reid, you are probably sorely mistaken. That is priced at 12 to five.
3: FX is welcome to Wrexham, all new Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu.
0: Because you're a listener of the Totally Football
1: League Show, you can get a third off an athletic subscription right now. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash league show. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. Uh, League One, Lincoln and Rotherham shared a one-all draw on Tuesday night. Uh, We'll take a look ahead, though, to a couple of the standout matches coming up this Saturday, starting with Accrington-Stanley against Wigan Athletic. Uh, Lancashire Pride, probably a bitter that you can get in northern pubs. 3.8%, no head, best served lukewarm. Uh, Where was I? Lancashire Pride, yeah, it'll be at stake at the Crown Ground on Saturday. Accrington-Stanley against Wigan Athletic. Uh, Stanley, Adrian, both men's names, only one's a football team. What would the man like to tell me about the football team?
2: (laughs) I quite fancy a pint of Lancashire Pride. I love some (laughs) of that. That's a bit of me, that. Um, I think it'd be a good game. I really do. I I really like Accrington. I think that they've got a threat at the top end of the pitch with the front two of Colby Bishop and Dean Charles who haven't scored yet. It's mad really because they are definitely one of the liveliest partnerships in the division. They're definitely the sort of pair that the opposition teams won't want to play against yet get actually haven't scored in the in the league yet. So so I think that's only a matter of time. Yeah, at Sunderland I thought Accrington did great. They they sort of had more possession. They had I think 21 shots. It was a pretty brave performance, they went to try and win the game. Um, Yeah, the only caveat I've got with Accrington is that they haven't really played anyone decent yet. I think everyone they've beat has been 16th or below. So, yeah, the the ones that they've they've actually lost, they've been against teams that are up up there or considered to be promotion contenders. And Wigan would definitely fall into that category. So in terms of their home matches, this is by far their toughest test so far. And they're up against a, a really... Resolute Wigan team That don't give you much away So so yeah I think we'll find out A lot more about How good Accrington are After this game um, But yeah look In the air They're absolute monsters Very very strong um, So yeah can, can Wigan handle it? That's probably You know A question We're about to find out
1: uh, one last thing on Accrington. I noticed their official Twitter bio this week. It says, We're aware we were once mentioned in a milk advert. We are here. who are they and exactly a lot, uh, which I've got a lot of time for. Uh, Wigan-wise, Jodie, three wins on the spin for them. I haven't lost a league game since opening day. We talk a lot about teams struggling to integrate new signings. Hi, Ipswich. Um, We're going to have been able to do it no problem whatsoever. How, How come they can do it and others can't?
3: Well, again, big credit to the manager, Liam Richardson, also to the recruitment team in terms of identifying. I mean, we see it a lot where clubs say, right, we need players, but it's a bit of a scattergun approach. What they've gone out and done is identified players specifically for positions that are going to work. Um, there's a lot that goes into recruitment and, uh, it, you know, for me, they've got it absolutely spot on. They're bringing the likes of, of James McLean. Again, top quality player. Charlie Wyke, again, hasn't scored yet, but once they get him up and running, we know exactly what he can do. You know, Will Keane, who has been carrying that that goal burden a little bit more without being prolific. They've only scored eight this season, but they've been very, very efficient. Um, was doing a little bit of digging. They've actually had the third least amount of shots. So, you know, to have the goal return they've had and and be solid enough, only conceded four goals, um, is a massive, massive feather in the cap, certainly for everybody at Wigan. I think when you look at the amount of players that came in, it is not easy to to get them all to bed in and gel. And in contrast, probably to Accrington, and we picked up on this early on in the, the season, you look at who they've had to play so far, you know, they've played a lot of teams that I certainly was expecting to be up and around those playoff places and beat them, You know Portsmouth, Charlton Rotherham, um, their only loss as you said was to Sunderland who we know how well they've started so, so far and I think they will get better I think they will improve once those players do get that understanding even more so than they have already and I think they're going to be the real deal this year and probably a bit of a surprise, I don't think we knew what we were going to get with Wigan at the start of this season given how much of a turnover they've been but um, you know they've had a really good start and I've, I've got to say I fancy them to, to turn over Ackhamton
1: It'll only be the fourth meeting between the teams the other three have been goal laden 15 of them in total uh, how about Wickham versus Charlton? No one asked. Well, we're going to tell you anyway. Uh, Jovi, just the one defeat so far for Wickham on their return to, to League One. Is its it, is it patronising to say that it's a little bit harsh on them that they, they return to this division to find it so full of big spending, highly ambitious clubs? That, does that mean that another tilt at promotion is less likely for them?
3: No, I wouldn't say less likely. Actually, for me, I think... <sighs> Wickham or Wickham, you know, I don't think there's any surprises with them. Whether that's how they do their business in terms of, again, getting players in, you know, they obviously had to replace um, Uche Piazu, which they've gone and got Sam Vokes in and, and Brandon Hanlon's come in recently to give them a little bit more in those attacking areas. Um, which again, we know how Wickham are going to play. They've scored goals from set pieces already this season, um, but I do think they've got some really good footballers in there, Jordan and Beater, who I know well. Uh, from Reddin, as well as Gareth McCleary, you know, technically very good um, players. And I think that's something that we do underestimate a little bit with Wickham. They do get labelled as that very direct long ball team, but, you know, I do think that they do some good work as well with the ball at times. And I, fer- I certainly expect them to be there. They're going to be hard to beat. They've had a really steady start to the season. Um, again, after relegation, it's not always easy to to start well the next year. But I fully, fully expect them to to be there or thereabouts this year. Uh,
1: now, Clarky, as we know from Nigel Adkins' Twitter feed, walking is brilliant. Getting your walking papers less palatable. Uh, but given Charlton, one of those ambitious clubs that I mentioned, keen not to hang around in League One much longer, he's under pressure at the moment, isn't he? Just just one win, only four points.
2: Yeah, he is a little bit. Obviously, they've got a you know a charismatic owner that's very, very ambitious. So the longer this run goes on, where they're where they're underperforming, that the more scrutiny will be on him for sure. Um, this is a big game, isn't it? I mean, I did not see them losing at home to Cheltenham. That one completely threw me. I thought, I thought they they just won a couple of games in all competitions. I, I thought that was the turning point. But he described their performance as hoofball. Um, Nigel Atkins afterwards, you know, he wasn't happy with with the decision-making of the players. And when you go long, Joe would t- tell you, when you start hoofing it, that's, that's a sign really of players maybe hiding a little bit, not showing for the ball, just panicking a little bit, and not having that confidence in possession. So it's important they get that back. Got to go back to basics, haven't they? And, and just get a bit of confidence. Not, I think what they need is more of the ball. They've got a really neat, they've got a team, I think, that can play some pretty neat and tidy football. You've got the wingers, uh, Kirk and Jaysemi that played at the weekend. You've obviously got LeCo as well who can play in that position. Really good players, dangerous players. But if they're not getting the service, if they're not in the game, if you're not playing the right style, then they're just going to be passengers, aren't they? So so I think, yeah, they need to just have the confidence to play a bit more football Charlton. moving forwards, They might have a lot more of the ball in this game against Wickham. So it's an opportunity for, for those ball players potentially to, to do a bit. And to hopefully, um, yeah, give Nigel Atkins a much needed lift. Um, I like them on paper. I had them down as promotion contenders, but it's not going well. That's for sure. Yeah, it's
3: really interesting hearing him describe his team playing hoofball. Um, I worked with with Nigel at at Reading and we were, again, quite a a direct-ish kind of team when he came in. And his first thing was... You know, we, we need to play more, we need to play more. And we were struggling, we were in a Premier League at the time, you know, it's kind of March, we were already sort of resigned to, to getting relegated in our first game with Arsenal away. And uh, he set us up to go and be really expansive and open and, and go and play. But his argument was that if we can go and try and do it there, then, you know, it will bode well for, for things moving forward. Anyway, long story short, we went to the Emirates, got absolutely battered 4-0. But he came in afterwards and was like, there was really good bits about it. And, you know, again, super positive guy. So when you've got a manager who wants you to play, it's very baffling for me to hear that players revert to, oh, we're just going to kick it. And I think that's the frustrations as a, a gaffer. When you're giving them the platform, you know, to go and play the football that certainly the majority of players want to play, and they're turning that down. So he's got a job there to really get that belief into the lads that that way of playing will benefit them and will help them, and I'm sure once they do that and and, and buy into it, then we'll see a few more of better results.
2: Obviously, we know him as a manager slash psychologist because he's such a this 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 super positive guy that wants to pass on good messages. Was he like that back in the day with you? Was it was he was he that sort of arm around the shoulder? Let's have a chat type gaffer or not or has he changed has he evolved into that no he's very
3: very open very um big on communication and uh, body language has always got to be super positive positive. and again it was hard at times because we were getting beat most weeks so you go in and you, your head's down a little bit and he'd just be there like hey
0: come on like good <laughs> yeah. morning
2: you're just like <laughs> gaffer,
0: leave it out. Mate. Like, Bruce Bruce Rioch <laughs> was the, of the same Premier League, mate. Yeah, at the oh same at God. Arsenal.
2: But if if he walk if you walk past Bruce Rioch in the morning at Arsenal in the year that he was there, and you didn't seem sprightly and you weren't morning gaffer, you were sort of like a little bit yeah. non-descript. it would bollock you. <laughs> it, was just, it was bizarre, but you know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of how he
3: was, and by all accounts, from other people that I know that have worked with him, how he how he's always been. And listen, it, it does help when you are going through difficult times but at the same time as players sometimes you're like look just give me a day off today man
2: <laughs> let
1: me let me be miserable let me have a moan
2: <laughs> we need
1: uh, Ben tell us what Paddy Power are thinking about this game the Wickham or More Charlton are the favourites
0: the value such as it is looks to be in the away win that's 21 to 10 the draw though is priced very similarly at 11 to 5
1: thanks Ben right we'll get to League 2 next Uh, In midweek in League 2, Sutton made it two wins in a row. They beat Hartlepool on Tuesday. Newport, though, winless in four after their defeat at home to Northampton. And it's Northampton who we're going to focus on. They host Swindon on Saturday. Uh, Clarkie, it's your your specialist subject. Talk Cobblers to me.
2: Super solid, uh, the Cobblers. (laughs) Rock solid. How about this for a stat? Seven games in, they're in third place. They've scored six goals. They've scored less than a goal a game, yet they find themselves in that lofty position. It's because they're, they're they're fantastic at the back. They've only leaked four goals, and three of them came in the same game against Rochdale. So, so yeah, doing a great job, John Brady, in terms of the organisation. Five clean sheets. The keeper's good. I've always, liked, yeah, Liam Roberts. I, I saw him at Walsall, and I liked him, and he, he's um he settled in very well. Good centre back partnership in the making with with Guthrie and Fraser Horsfall. Um, yeah, th- there are there are lots to like about them in terms of the way they're shutting down opposition teams. It's just about like can they can they get their sort of attackers a little bit m- better service, more more chances created. I don't think they're creating tons tons of chances. They're very good in the air we know that but but yeah he, he wants to play better football I think Brady he's talked about passing between the lines and, and opening teams up in that way but yeah that's not really click for them yet so that would be interesting I think in this game because Swindon love love to knock it around um, yeah will, will this be the kind of pretty football match that, that allows Brady's Northampton to, to do the things that he wants them to do so really really interested to see how they fare in this one the Cobblers
1: uh, Swindon JB beaten by Port Vale last week but given what's happened around that club over the summer they're another team who are pretty pleased with how it's going for them
3: yeah again have to say big big credit to Bengana um, we didn't know what state Swindon were going to be in this season again dealing with not just relegation but Obviously, the turnover again of players, not having any players, literally um, to start the season. So I think they've actually made some really good signings. Again, another theme. I think with everything going on with COVID, you know, lack of money around, particularly at lower level clubs, there's some really, really good signings out there. Johnny Williams, for me, you know, is a a real masterstroke. Really, a Wales international. um, You know, obviously coming in from Cardiff, has already had an impact. They've gone out and used the low market. Tyree Simpson looks a real good. Bit of potential, 19 years old, on loan from Ipswich. Um, and I just love the way they play football. they really scored some some really good team goals. He's been on the end of a couple. Of course, you've got Jack Payne, um, Harry McCurdy, again, someone I know well, I haven't played with him at Stevenage, fits into the way that they want to play. And again, it comes down to, right, who's going to work in this system rather than we just need players full stop. And I think that's been a big part of, of their success so far. And I think, you know, eighth place, Yes, they lost the last game, but four games unbeaten before that. And I think they want to go on another little run now. And, you know, they've started ever so well.
1: Uh, last game for us is at the Memorial Stadium. Bristol Rovers taking on Lake Orient. Uh, just two wins all season for Rovers. Pressure on Joey Barton at the moment. Do you think that he, he's got what it takes to turn them around, Adrian?
2: Not sure if I'm being brutally honest. I think this is a tough game for him against Leighton Orient. They're improving, aren't they? It's not. Joby just touched on it. Swindon have a way of playing, and they choose players to to fit in with that. Bristol Rovers. I don't. I don't know what's going on with with Bristol Rovers. Like they're, they're changing their system quite regularly. Looks like they're he's putting players out of position. I mean, Harvey Saunders I saw has been a wing back. Harry Anderson as well, the former Lincoln player, both wingers or forwards really, and, and having done that role as a wing back myself as a winger, <laughs> it's not easy. Like I was, I was a bag of nerves uh, defensively, and and I think that's a problem um, for them moving forward. He's got to decide on a system. goal is doing well, I think the young boy they've got um, loan from Stoke at the back, Connor Taylor, uh, had rave reviews, but tactically they're a bit all over the place, and and also Bristol Rovers fans. The gas heads—they're on his back, Jerry Barton. So, if it doesn't go well in the first half against the O's, um, yeah, it could be a difficult atmosphere.
1: Better mood around Orient at the moment, Joby. Last time we had you on, they, they'd lost to Harrogate. Since then, unbeaten. What, what are you putting that down to?
3: Well, before we get started, I think I need to stop talking about Orient because I don't actually know any of the players that are left there um, talking about turnover. Um, no, there's only a few. There's actually only three lads that I, that I worked with that started the last game, um, eight new arrivals. So it is a much-changed team. And again, you know, Kenny Chackett deserves praise for that. You know, they've gone and really recruited well, particularly in, in forward areas. Um, Theo Archibald's been fantastic for them. Um Harry Smith's chipped in with some goals this year, again a big presence up front. Um I think keeping hold of Lawrence Figaro as well in goal was was massive for the club. It's certainly one that obviously at the back end of last year we were desperately, desperately trying to to get him to sign a new deal and, and probably most at the club thought we wouldn't be able to hold on to him. You know, he was that good last year. Um so again, the ones that they have kept Dan happy as well. Craig Clay, um, there's still a nice, small percentage of lads who who were there that, that understand the club, which is important, understand when the club want to go. And along with, with Kenny Jacket's experience, it's obviously all gone in very well. They obviously beat a, a beleaguered olden team um, very, very comfortably last time out, which I'm sure will give them a lot of confidence. And they're going along very, very nicely. It's good to see the club in the position that it's in. It's certainly now, in my opinion, and ready to, to really make that leap and try and get promoted and get back into League One.
1: Time will tell with that, uh, Ben. You can give us some odds on this match, please, according to Paddy Power.
0: Your League Two odds, Matt, and indeed listeners: uh, Bristol Rovers versus Leyton Oren. It's six to four for the home win. It's two to one for the draw, or seventeen to ten that the O's get the W. Uh, Adrian was talking up Swindon just before. If you fancy them to go up, they are nine to two, but it's probably not going to happen.
1: You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Be And when the fun stops, stop. Uh, right, that'll just about do it for today. Adrian will be back with me on Monday. We'll be joined by Sam Parkin and Robin Cowan. Uh, what are you up to this weekend, Clarkie? Have you got a game on the agenda?
2: Oh, yeah, I'm going to... Uh, um well, I'm covering Burnley against Arsenal from the studio at Emirates. So, uh, yeah, no no EFL action, unfortunately, this weekend, but I'll be right across it. Might be an EFL fixture next season, you
1: never know. How about you, JB? Oh, steady on, steady on. <laughs> um,
3: actually, not not overly busy this weekend, actually. i am uh, got a bit of work on on Quest, which is quite an eventful evening's work, trying to round up every single game of EFL action in two hours. Um, But no, all good fun. So uh, I'll I'll be across that and then, yeah, get a bit more into it next weekend. Got a good couple of games.
1: Excellent. Listener, we hope you have a good weekend too. If not, just think it could be worse. You could be a Forest supporter. Uh, Many thanks for your company today. Join us again on Monday if you can. From all of us here, though, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show part of the athletic podcast network listen ad free on the athletic app and keep up to date with everything totally by heading to at the totally show on twitter and on insta find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show the totally football league show is an athletic media company production
0: the athletic